afternoon, everybody. I wanted to uh, first acknowledge many people who are involved with planning this year and who plan the regular shiurim here. I think it's an amazing concept, and it's a real tribute to all of you, those who come and those who organize. Um, Rabbi Kevin Levitz and I go back many years. We were chavusis in uh, Beis Yosef in the Bardic, talking 30 years ago, and uh, he's a unique Tamad Chacham, as you well know. He's uh, extremely broad and a tremendous mensch at the same time. Uh, it's, real, it's a real uh, cover that you have him here, and uh, I'm sure you're making use of him. Um, it's nice that he asked me to come, and I'm happy to share some debitor with you. Um, I was asked to announce and acknowledge the sponsors for this week, Mr. and Mrs. Mordechai Knecht, in honor of the engagement of their grandson, Yeshua Gadis Mitochavi Feder. So it's uh to Buddha Bayes Neman be Israel, the Shemus Ferris, Shaogo Michael Khoyal. Okay, so the topic of the Shir is the notion called Piyut. Piyut is a form of tefillah, as we know, but it's not typical tefillah. It's different than normal tefillah that we're used to. And when it comes to Yam Nuraim, Piyut features very prominently, as we know in our in our davening. And it would be helpful to get an appreciation of what piyut is, to get our bearings. So when we dive in Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we can appreciate what we're doing. Truthfully, this topic could go well beyond one shear. It really requires, you know, a, a semester, if you will, of, of shiurim. But we'll try to get at least acquainted with some of the basic aspects of piyut, some of the makoros that you'll have here on your sheets. You can either use the sheets in front of you, or we can use what we have in the projector. So we'll try to follow the format that you have on the first page, which is sort of like a, an orientation. And as much as we can, we'll look at some of the chorus inside, and whatever we don't get to, you're free to take the packets with you and make use of them and learn through them as you wish. Okay, so the first thing is to point out there's tefillah and there's piyut. You see, tefillah is standard prayer. What we're used to, regular structure of Shemun Esrei and, and the brachas of Kriyashma and so on. And we say that regularly, pretty much, you know, whether it's Shabbos or it's weekday, whatever it may be. Piyot gets embedded within tefillah, and it's different. And the question is, what, what's the reason for piyot? How far back does it go? What's its purpose? So there are really two ideas to share with you. The first one I entitled here, Baruch Hashem Yom Yom, which is a pasuk that the Gemara quotes to learn out that you're supposed to mention, let's say, Me'en HaMa'ora, when you dive in, Let's say on Rosh Chodesh, you mentioned Yalav Yavo. The more specific you can be to relate to the time of the year that you're at, and also in terms of brachos, the more specific you can be to talk about not just general Shevach Tashem, but specifically what it is that you want to acknowledge Hashem for. It's a greater Shevach and tribute to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Piyot comes to accomplish that, because if you're davening and you're saying a Sneder Nusach, so then it's a generic Nusach. But when you have a special occasion, let's say Yantif or Shabbos, and you can expand on the Nusach that's generally said to speak to the occasion, then it raises the tefillah to another level, and it makes it more spontaneous and more relevant and hopefully more, more exciting. Now, that's not, not always the case because of the nature of Piyot and the barriers that we have to the language of Piyot, as we'll soon get to. But that's the idea. Um, often, it's the Shriach Sibur, that's the one that's supposed to do it for you, and not necessarily for the tzibur to say every part of the piyut, maybe a refrain or two along the way. The shiach tzibur is one that's leading the tefillah, 
and inspiring the tzibur, and that's where you can improvise in the form of piyut. So that's one idea within piyut, as we said, Baruch Hashem Yom Yom. The other idea is mentioned by Sefer Ha'itim, one of the Rishonim, and that has to do with the notion of Shemad. We know that there were periods in our history that Kal Yisrael were not able to learn Torah, and the opportunity, whenever you could find it, to teach people to, to, to understand things and halachos was not as easy, and they somehow found a way to tuck it into tefillah. So that's why you'll find some piyutim that actually go through halachos. One famous one is on Shabbos HaGadol, where you have literally going through from B'dikas Chametz all the way through the Seder. It's of Yosef Tov Elam, one of the Kapaitanim from the earlier Rishonim that composed that. And suddenly you're, you're learning Mesach What's exactly the connection between Torah and Tfilah? So according to Sefer Itim, it's because of the fact that people didn't have an opportunity to learn, and therefore they would be able to learn via Piyut. Now Piyut goes... it's so poetic. Okay, so we'll see. We'll see that the... We're going to get to some aspects of Piyut in just a minute. Just to, before we go on to the next section, which is really what you're getting to, Tzuras HaPiyut, and the nature and the, 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 the linguistics of it, um, Piyut goes back a very long time. We think, you know, Rishonim, maybe Gaonim, it's before that. We'll soon see where Blazer HaKalir, according to some of the Rishonim, was a Tana. Whether he was or wasn't a Tana, there are references in Midrashim of Chazal to Paitanim. So even the word Piyot itself... What's the little definition of Piyot? Okay, so the Rima connects it to a Greek word, which we would be, so we would be familiar with, which is poetry poetry, right? So in other words, it's the idea of improvising. It's a difference between prose and poetry. It sometimes has a different meter and a different rhythm. And this is, again, if you look at, I mean, I'll go ahead now to the next page, you'll see a medrash or two that uh, mentions uh, the idea of a piyut, talks about individuals who are paitanim. Uh, the first source on your, on your sheet, number one, it's numbered here. Kadamach Rav Elizabeth Shimon, when he died, Elizabeth Shimon died. Hayudoro Korel Love. They quoted a pasuk on him. Mizos Omen Amidbar Nekoaf Kasvochel. From all of the specimens of a peddler, and just like a peddler has all kinds of different wares, so was Rav Elizabeth Shimon, multifaceted person. Kari Vetanui Ukeruve Upaitui. So one of the things that he's described as is being a python. A next source following this, Haden Paitana, an ordinary poet, an ordinary poet, you might say, when he goes through the alabase, he's going to use an acrostic, that's another one of the aspects of Piyot, so Zimnin Machasila, Zimnin Machasila. He might finish it, like Chasal the Pesach, he might get to the end, he might not get to the end, because not so easy to go through all alabase. But Shlomo HaMelech, he wrote Alphabesa. He write the whole alabase plus an additional five lines afterwards, like we find in some Paitanim where they put their names, right, in acrostic after the period is finished. The Rimagash in source number three, as we just mentioned a minute ago, Bir Milas Piyot, Milashin Shira, Milashin Yevani, Shekorin Lemeshur Paitana. And so this is the notion of Piyot going back certainly to the time of the Tanoim. Now there are different names that are used when you refer to Piyutim. So we're using the generic, generic term piyutim, but if you look in the Rishonim, you notice the Abu Dram already mentions one of them called krovos. You've heard the term krovos, and why is that a word to refer to piyut? So the Abu Dram has a few suggestions. 
he says number one is source number four. The Shliach Sibor is like the Kohen Gadol, who's Makriv Karbanos on behalf of Kal Yisrael, and therefore he is coming close. He's coming to enter into, you might say, the Kodesh HaKadashim equivalent when he goes to the, to the Amud. The and then... That vernacular is pretty much lost today. Everybody calls him just playing Yotzros. Yes, well, Yotzros, correct. Now, Yotzros is a different term that's specific... If you go back to, to the Yotzer, right, to, to the Yotzer or Bracha, and there's another term called Zulas, because they used to have, you look in, in Machzom, we don't typically say this today, but there are many piyutim that are inserted after the words Enel Kim Zulasacha, before you start Ezra Sabesenu, which is in the Bracha of God Yisrael, and that's called a Zulas. And you have other terms such as Kedush Tos, which is leading to Kedusha, that means basically starting with, you know, that's, that actually called, some of them are called Magain, which is in the first Bracha, and Machaye, and then the Kedush Tos leading to Kedusha, that's another term. There's another term called Rishuyos, Rishus, like you'd find even when you call someone up, um, let's say, Sukhastar of Mirishus, da 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 da. So there are Rishuyos in the Piyut, and the typical one is Misot Chacham Nevonim. When the Chazan begins his Chazar Sashats, and he gets to a certain point um, uh, when he gets to the Ahava, before he's concluding the first Bracha, Melch Ozer, suddenly, Misot Chacham Nevonim, what is he saying? After Chapi, I'm going to add, I'm going to improvise, I'm going to add to this, the, the, the typical tefillah. I'm asking permission to be able to do that. Which is interesting because if you say misot chacham in the bonum, you don't have piyot, you do the purpose. What some people do, is sometimes it, it, in, you know, in, in a mincha, for example, be it Rosh Hashanah, be it, be it Yom Kippur, so they'll have the paragraph misot chacham in the bonum said by the chazan, and then they'll skip the piyot that follows, and they'll go <laughs> melchoser. But you haven't, that's undermining the whole point. The point is you want to allow yourself to continue. Other issues, for example, before you get to malchios, you have ochilo lokel, a series of psukim. That's a hagdama, meaning a resource to begin the section of malchios. Um, uh, also, Hayei and Pethios. That's a tefillah of Yom Deron. So if you ask for Shust also, right? Hey, Nihani Mimas is like an example of that, yes. So, so you ask him for Shust beforehand and... Yeah, because he's, gonna, because he's gonna be the chazan for, you know, for the rest of Musa. So it's a form of Rishuyos. Not exactly the same as when he's doing a Chazar Sashatz. Um, so again, only, you have... That's only if you do it during Chazar Sashatz. Nowadays, they... Well, you know, the truth is, Hayei Mimas, you could probably get away with even if you don't add Piyot afterwards because you're, you are the Shiach Sibor. One, one way or another, you're, you're going to be saying the Chazar Sashatz. But there are specific Rishuyos that are meant to justify saying Piyutin, such as, as we mentioned before, the Misot Chacham Nevonim and a few of the others, Ochil Lokel and so on. Hindi um, is before. He's, he's right. getting started as a chazan. Right, they're interrupting. Right, and we'll see the issue of, of Hefsik in a minute. The, the Abu Dram has another pshat for the term Krovos, and that's because it's inserted within the davening. And this is, again, we're talking about in the Shmona Esve, in the Chazar Sashats. There are those who think, the Beis Yosef quotes this, I believe it should be here as well if we go down a little bit. Um, go in, in, in source number five on your first page. The, the term krovets, you see sometimes in Purim in the Siddur, they're called krovets. And krovets is actually another way to refer to these piyutim. And why krovets, says the Beis Yosef? Because Rashi Tevos, korina vishua bali tzadikim. It's an expression of joy, of, of adding to the tefillah by putting a dimension of simcha into it. It's interesting because there's a, one of the Rishon, the Maril, who is famous for Minhagim, so he brings that on. And Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, so he says, we don't say Zulas Krovitz. 
You notice typically you find in, in Shalosh Regalim, Machzorim, that have piyut, will have piyut in the Brach of Gal Yisrael, but not Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. So the, the uh, Maril and, and those of his school make the comment, one of the reasons that they say we don't have a piyut of Zulas is because it's not a time of Simcha. We know Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur is more serious, and therefore the piyutim of Zulas were not said, and his language there is, we don't say Krovitz, because what's Krovitz? You don't want to get too excited with Simcha, Piyutim. Why is that associated with Simcha? Perhaps because you're talking about Kriyas Yamsuf and the miracle and the going out and breaking out in song. So the Piyutim of Zuas have a certain uh, joy associated with it. And Rosh Yom Kippur would be not, it has to be tempered. Therefore, we don't associate those Piyutim of Krovitz, in, in, which is Zulas, in, in, in the Tefillah of, y- of Yom Neroim. Okay, so we have various terms we noted. Krovos, Yotzros, technically, you know, they should be connected to those particular parts of the Davenic. What are some of the aspects, the literary aspects of Piyut? Again, so a couple of things to be familiar with. Uh, Tanakh, now we don't know Eo, we don't know Mishrei, right? We don't know Shirashim so much either. I mean, but anyone who knows Tanakh, so you're, you already have a, you're a step ahead because when you have Tsukim, at your fingertips, and then you see a form of that pasuk appearing in, in the, in the piyut, you know where it's coming from. Not just Tanakh, it's Midrashim of all kinds, whether it's Psikhted Ravkana, whether it's Medrash Rabba, whether it's, you know, it's Pikhted Rabba Lezer. And there's also Hecholos literature, which is a whole other literature that's more mystic in nature. And a lot of that, Rabbi Lezer Kalir will soon see one of the Paitanim, he drew a lot of that as well. Um, so the more that you get comfortable with Sukim and Chazal, the more that you can understand where the Paitanam are drawing from. Um, there's also an interesting thing that we'll soon see is somewhat controversial, but a concept in Piyut is the words themselves, the language gets stretched. It's not straight, straightforward type of language. It's not typical tefillah. It's, it's words that are sometimes invented by, you might call, poetic license, which is typical of poets. And it makes it that much more difficult. Um, you have acrostics, of course, whether it's alabase, whether it's reverse alabase, and then oftentimes the name of the composer will appear after the period is over, so you'll have his name, plus perhaps a chazak, or yechi chazak, chazak ve'emots, and so on. That's also common to piyut. Um, we should recognize that there's all kinds of piyut, and some are harder than others. Even standard tefillah has become defined in some ways by piyut. We don't always realize the difference. Think about regular tefillah of Shabbos. So in Shachris, the, the, the bracha of Kedusha Sayom starts with Yismach Moshe Matnas Chelko. There's a piyut quality to that. It's easy piyut, but it's really piyut. Take Musaf of Shabbos, Tikanta Shabbos, Ratzisa Karbanuseha. It's a piyut. In Rishonim, refer to Tikanta Shabbos as a piyut. It's a reverse acrostic of Tashrak, right? Tikkan Tashab is going backwards. And it has a rhyme to it. So here you have Kel Adon is, is a form of a piyut. And it just became now, you know, integrated within the tefillah and better within the tefillah. Sometimes it's not as natural a fit. But really, it's, it, it's ubiquitous. It's in tefillah so much. Um, now, there's a quality that we're going to have to discuss more at length as we go on this year. But I'll mention it now already. The way that piyut is recited... So there's a certain give and take between the kahal, the tzibur, and the chazin. Now, that's an interesting phenomenon. In other words, the chazin says something, and then there's a response, and then the chazin goes his part, and then there's a response. 
But that has led to... Yeah, sometimes, yeah. Yeah, like, say, take Haladan, for example. Haladan was meant to be responsive, you know, either alternating stanzas or repeating the stanza, but then the next one, like a pismo. And yet, in many shows, it's just sung together beginning to end. Even Anim's Miros, you know, I was okay to write a safer recently on Anim's Miros from my son's Bar Mitzvah, so uh, it came out not too long ago, just about a year ago. And uh, one of the things I mentioned in the Sefer was this quality of back and forth. And we know that one stanza being the Chazan stanza and then the, re- the response. I've heard since then that there are shuls, I'm not familiar with these shuls, but they exist, where literally the, everybody together from the first stanza on its mirrors until Niamalel, it's like one big song, you know, one big kumzitz. I mean, that's clearly not what was intended. Um, Even in Kedusha, Kedusha. Okay, so this, 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 what's happened is it's worse than what you even realize. Why? Okay, and I, I'd like to get to this soon. But if you notice where we're pausing, take, take some of the, take some of the piyut, and let's start with one that, you know, in the beginning of the Chazar Sashats. It's an olive base. What's happening is, It doesn't really fit. Really, think about the words. Husach vayehi, he spoke and things existed, came into existence. Betsiva v'nivro, zichro v'netzach. The he and the vav are meant to be strung together. Betsiva v'nivro goes with husach vayehi. Instead, what are we doing? We're separating it. Betsiva v'nivro, zichro v'netzach. v'netzach. Zichro v'netzach is meant to go with chayolamim, because the same idea. Zichro v'netzach, chayolamim. Notice, we've messed up the pause, and it's not just here, it's many of the people where we're basically ending one stanza going to next stanza instead of connecting them and we don't realize ourselves how we've undermined the kavana of the of the composer. What's the choma minim, whether it's uh, and other things like that. Now, in defense of the, what's happened, and again, we'll come back to this, but Salvechik noted the following. How did this happen? Because Dafka, because there's a, there's a give and take, there's a chazan and the tzibur, so the interface between Chazan and Tzibur led, the, you know, at a certain point for the Tzibur to chaperain the next line to prompt the Chazan to say his line. So they said it before him, and then the Chazan prompts the Tzibur. And so it became a big chunk, and now it became said the way it said. But why is that important, says of salvation? Because one of the qualities of Dabashev Kedusha, one of the characteristics of Dabashev Kedusha, we know with, 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 with Kedusha itself, is what the Pasuk says in Yeshayi, the Kara Zel Amar. One calls to the other, one mouth to the other, prompting. What we're doing with the chazan is creating that effect of each one trying to prompt the other one. Kadosh, Kadosh, Umasam, Baruch Yameiro, say Baruch. Like the Imru Amen, Baruch, That's with Kaddish, is also prompting one the other. And the give and take has led to the point where he sort of took over the next line to prompt the, the chazan, the chazan, the kahal, and back and forth. So that's actually part of what's meant to happen to create the effect of Dabash Dusha. Now, again, it does take away sometimes the understanding of what you're saying, but it really is meant to preserve that idea of Dabash Abikdusha. Okay, so this is some of what we have in terms of the general observations about Piyut. Some of the Paitanim we should mention, now in the in, in third section a little bit here, his Pashtusu show Piyut, how widespread it was, and who are some of the individuals that are famous for writing Piyutim that have made their uh, impact and left their imprint on our davening. So one of the famous ones is Yanai. Yanai lived in the 6th century. This is like after the Gemara, before the Gaonim. And he wrote many, many Piyutim. He was prolific. I'll give you one famous one of his. 
and that is which we say at the end of the Seder and you'll find it also for Shabbat Agado in some of the uh, Sidurim so he, really he was intending to write Piyutim that connected to the reading, the Torah reading of that week now the Torah reading for us is finished in one year but in Eretz Yisrael was a triennial cycle so that means that a triennial took, took three years to even have Simchas Torah so that means that Parshas Bo wouldn't be our Parshas Bo, it would be, let's say, a section of Parshas Bo, beginning perhaps with Vahibachat Sihalayla. And that became the Kriya Torah of that Shabbos. They wrote, Yanai wrote Piyutim that corresponded to the Kriya Torah of the day. In his day, in Eretz Yisrael, where he lived, the Sidra, as they call it, was starting with Vahibachat Sihalayla. So he wrote for that Parsha, quote unquote, that Sidra, his composition. He wrote so many more because take 52 or something by 3, 150 something piyutim because he wanted the, the piyutim to reflect the Kriya Torah. What's the story behind that? The three, the one? That's a separate uh, shear. In other words, why, right, how it changed that now everyone adopted the one, one year. They, they did some Torah every three some years. That's how it was in Eretz Israel. The Gemara refers to it. In, in Eretz Yisrael, so they, they, they had Shemiyat Seres, yes, but well, Shemiyat Seres did not become right. did not become the occasion to celebrate the completion of the Torah. That took place whenever it took place, and, and it could have been any time. Um, and then once we went with the one-year cycle, then they, they merged it with, with Shemiyat Seres. So this, yeah, okay. it could be a lot of agendas, you know. The, another very, very famous uh, of the Paitanim is Elazar HaKalir. Now, Rosa Kalir is mamish everywhere. You name it, he's there. Think about Kinnis Tishabov, think about Hushanis, think about Tfilas Geshem, Tfilas Tal, Rosh Hashanah, the first day, not the second day. Tosis will point out that he did not compose for the second day, possibly because he'll make, they had one day Rosh Hashanah in his time, and, uh, and, and many of the Yamim. Zemira is not, as, not that I'm aware of, but Piyutim and Davening, everywhere, everywhere. And he was obviously influenced, depending on when he lived. There is a comment of Tosis and Chagiga. Another has shown him also, in theory, agree that he lived in that same period. Tosis and Chagiga, go to your sheets for a second, you'll see. Tosis and Chagiga says, um, source number 11, that the author of Lazar Kalir was none other than Rabbi Lazar Brav Shimon, the son of Shimon ben Yochai. Shitas Tosis Chagiga Daf Yud Gimel. And he's, so, he's relying on the lashon of the Medrash that we noted, noted before, that when the of Shimon died, they, they were masked him. One of the things they said about him, he was a paitani. So Tosis assumes it was, in fact, of Lazar Kalir. The Rasba thinks it was a different Tana. He says, of Lazar ben Arach. I'm talking about Tanai. Now, there are those who are not as convinced of this, even within our own school of, you know, of Achronim, of Yosef, Yosef uh, you see in verse 13, Maybe he was later, maybe he was closer to the Gaonim times. What many have come to think that he is based on a lot of research is that he lived in the, in the 7th century, and that means the early 7th century, right? So it was after Yanai, and he would have been perhaps in some way, Talmud in some way of Piyot of Yanai. Whether, and, and then of the Rizal comes and says he was a Nitzutz of these Tanai, and so, okay, he wasn't maybe a Tana, but he... He embodied the spirit of that Tana, so maybe we can perhaps accommodate what Tosis is saying. There's a lot of discussion, there's a lot of pushback. Those who think it wasn't the Tana say, how could you say that? Tosis says he is. If you look at the Yehuda, source 14, he says it could be, he was a Tana, the Gemara doesn't mention him, but he was a Tana. 
So we're not going to get into that polemic exactly. Was he a Tana? Was he not? Was he a spark of the Tana? Was he a Gilgal of the Tana? One thing is clear. He was a Kadosh. And this, it's written about him, you can see in source 15, Shibali Aleket says, and others quote this as well, when he was composing a piyot from Bahachayos Asherhenam Rubos, which is in the Yotzer Bracha, so literally the Malachim were coming down. So he was a Kadosh Elyon, and even his name is a whole discussion where Hakalir comes from, there's all kinds of legends and connections to that, we won't get into it, but he left an incredible imprint on piyot. Now, with this came opposition. Now, when you take a Leza Kalir, it's not a simple thing because he, he became so accepted and the Rishonim held him in tremendous regard. Rashi in Chumash quotes him, we'll mention soon. Rashi in Tibrahiyamim quotes him. Tosis quotes him several times. His piyutim, that is. Quotes his piyutim. It was very much accepted for the Rishonim of Leza Kalir's piyutim. They were all familiar with it. However, it comes along the Ibn Ezra. Ibn Ezra, you know, was no holds barred. He... he he didn't agree with something, he would mince words. He was a purist. He was very into, you know, how should words be written, how should fila be written. And he was very opposed to this whole notion of the genre of piyut, especially what Rebeleza Kalir did to piyut. He says, piyut of Avsadiyagon, I have no problem with. It's straightforward. I understand it. It's, it's enhancing the tefillah. Comes Avosa Kalir with his piyut and think about kinas of Tishabah. How easy is it to understand those some of those uh, kinas? Mamish difficult. You need a pirish on a pirish on a pirish to get to anything to understand. And it takes years of, of, of effort and training and sensitivity. So he had a number of objections. If you go to your sheets or to the screen, as it will, um, go to um, source number 20. Three, okay. Page, uh, what a page is number twenty-three. I want to show you a couple of lines from Ibn Ezra on Kohelis. So the Ibn Ezra has what he calls four objections to Piyut. See it? Kral Omer he says Yesh Abad Varim Kashim. Number one he says Kirube Piyutav Chidos Umishalim. You can't understand what he's saying. It's unclear. It's convoluted. Go with Shlomo HaMelech, go with Chana, look what Tzula is supposed to be, it's supposed to be clear-cut. Second issue, Hadavar Hasheni, next paragraph, right, so it's 23. He says, You're mixing in Lashon HaKodesh with Aramaic, and it's not even coming from Lashon HaKodesh, why mix and match? Keep it simple, keep it consistent. Number three, Hadavar Hashlishi, even what's in Lashon HaKodesh, he's confusing the laws of Dikdok, he's not doing things right, he's, he's confusing Zachar and Akev, and he gives examples to this. And finally, he says, on the next page, um, the fourth issue, I mean, before he gets to it, he says, I, Rachman boy, yeah, you know, Hashem just wants the heart. So, no, then why is it important to, to speak clearly anyway? Why do we have a composition called Hayyim Pefios? Say what you want, let it come out as it wears. It's all about the heart, right? Very cynical. The fourth point, Shekop Yuta Mulein Midrashos Vagados, and we know Emikros Dipshuto. Okay, you can read through, there's a lot here. This aroused a lot of, um, you know, uh, controversy, especially at the time of the Achronim, when the Haskalah movement began to grow, from the 18th century, where a lot of the Maskilim began to say, you know what, let's drop it. Let's drop it, you know, that's how it starts, right? Then you get to other things. And there was a lot of uh, literature that was coming to defend Piyot. And they were quoting Ibn Ezra, the Maskilim, of course, Ibn Ezra. They were into Ashina Kodesh in its purest way. 
So I want to read you, it's not in your packet, a letter of Rabbi Eger to a community called Eisenach. And this is printed in, in the Mechtev Rabbi Eger, which I happen to have. And in the middle of this letter, he's talking about the importance of preserving tefillah as it's supposed to be and not what the reform movement is beginning to think about, the maskilim. In the middle of this letter, he writes to this kihila, V'chen b'piyutim, don't change the, the alter the language. He was very he threw venom. He was not proper to do that. The whole devour of Musadim, Alpimidrasho, Sagados, Virazi Atora, Ugdoli Rabosenu Rashi Vitoso, Samchu Devayamalov. And he quotes, for example, you can check this afterwards, Rashi Chumish, Rashi's Paraglamid Pesach Shabbat, by Yisko Kim Es Rachel. Rashi quotes that Esav wanted to marry Rachel, right? Because he looked at her and he said, maybe I meant to marry her, and she got all nervous. Words of Rashi in Chumash. We have it, but okay. It's basically the same piyut. It's found, if you look in part of the piyut that we skip typically, first day Rosh Hashanah, after Machai HaMesim, there's a continuation of the piyut that started in the first bracha, Magen Avram, Evan Chug, and, he, and, and, and this is the line that Rashi quotes, Ha'admon. Now here you get an example of how the words are not clear. Ha'admon. Who's the Admon? The Admon is Esau. Ha'admon kivat. Shalom chala. When he saw, she, she did not give birth. Chala is to give birth. Kiv, you have to know the word but means to see. And, uh, you know, and, and chala means another word for having, conceiving. Shalom chala. Tsava, he wanted... This week's parasha is to want. Sabi is to want. He wanted to take her for himself. And she got all nervous. So Rashi quotes these words in his Perish Torah on the Pasma Yisko Kimis Noach. And Rukvega says that Rashi quoted a different period of her career. And Tosas quoted her career. Says the Rukvega Eger. And I can't even tell you how many times he's quoted. Hashem should forgive Ben Ezra for what a mistake he made to take on her career. Now, what about some of the issues in terms of substance? I mean, there are concerns. So what do we do in response? So there's a very lengthy essay of the Maharami Prague. You can read it carefully yourself in Source 24, because I want to get to some specific Yutam Rosh Hashanah in terms of, you know, you know the Yoma. But the Maharami Prague also defends... Hakalir and the Paitanim as a whole, from the objections of the Ibn Ezra. In a nutshell, and you've seen Source 24, a big selection of the, what he writes in the Sivas Olam, the Siva Avoda, says the Marami Prague that you have to understand, Piyut is another way of expressing emotions, feelings, ideas. There's standard Lishonos of Tfilah, which is straightforward, and then there's a certain mindset that you want to communicate through the words, and the words are meant to reflect emotions, and the emotions have their own rhyme and rhythm, and the words sound different. Take even within the Chumash, Az Yashir Moshe, take the words of Shiraz Hayam. They don't sound anything like a typical Pasuk, like you read the Pasuk's Kiseitse. That's strict laws. 
But what the answer is because you're on a higher, you're, you're trying to express your emotions. So you rise above standard language of prose. You get into the poetry mode. And okay, it's harder to follow, but so be it. That's part of the expression. So you take liberties with language. And this is the basic defense that the morale gives. I, it's harder for us. Okay, so try harder to understand where it's coming from. But this is part of the beauty of Piyot. It shouldn't be looked down on, denigrated. It should be appreciated. Okay, there's another issue that's controversial about Piyot, which again, we don't have time to get into all the internet, but we have to be familiar with it. And this is what comes up in Shulchan Aruch. Um, go back in your in your in your numbers here. Just go back a couple of sources. Um, you see, there's a Mishnah in Brachas, in the first pack of Brachas. It says, "Malcolm she amru laharech in Rashi lekatzer, Malcolm she amru lekatzer in Rashi laharech." And how do you understand the Mishnah? So there are those who show them who take that to mean you can't tamper with Nusach Hatfilah. It's a hefsek. So it's a bracha of Yod Tzavor. The bracha is meant to be Ketikun Chachamim, Kemat Be'er Shetavu Chachamim, from beginning to end. Basically. Okay, maybe you can have it, you know, Nusach here, Nusach here, slightly different. But suddenly adding a whole uh, poem in the middle is improper. Right? Malkam Sh'amru Katsim Sh'alaharech. That's the bracha, that's what it's supposed to be. Now, if you interpret the mission that way, then it's a problem called Hefzik. That's in terms of the bracha of Birchus Kriyashma. A similar issue could be relating to Shmon Esrei. You're not supposed to ask for personal things in the first three brachas, right? With a whole debate about how we can add zachrei nulachayim. But now you're going to have, have piyutim inserted in the brachas of Shmonesri? How could you do that? You have to preserve the nusach So then there are many Rishonim who have different interpretation of the Mishnah. They say it doesn't mean what we just said. Makam Shemar Wakatsayin means that if a brach is supposed to not end with a barach, you don't make it end with a barach. It's a bracha kitsara. It's a bracha ruka that's supposed to start and end. You don't cut out the, the ending of the barach, the barach at the end. Different interpretation. To the contrary, achas ruka, achas kitsara says the Mishnah means you can improvise, you can add. What's important is the beginning and the end. Matbeah bracha has to do with how you end the bracha. So if you go with that approach, so you have, for example, if Sadi Gon's Siddur, Friday night davening, the bracha of Mayrib, of Mayrib talks about Shabbos, his next sentence or two about Shabbos, piyut, not, conflict, not confusing piyut, but umaysa, you have a right to do it. <coughs> so there's a big debate in Shulchan Aruch, how this plays out, there's a true Rambam about it as well, the Rambam has the issue framed in terms of osik, the mitzvah, part of the mitzvah, which is interesting, a different way to look at it, you're doing one thing, you shouldn't say piyutim, but the issue that plays out in Shulchan Aruch, the tour in the Shulchan Aruch, source number 19, take a look, is hefsik. So there are those who say it is a problem of Hefzik, and therefore if the Tzibur is doing it, don't say it with them. Let them say it. So it's, apparently they couldn't stop people from doing it. It was very much Mekubal to say Piyut. So even those who were against Piyut, because of, because of Hefzik, would still just do their own thing, but they wouldn't stop everybody else. But then there are those who defend Piyut, and you look in Shulchan Aruch, Source 20, and the Shabur elaborates more in light of what we just said. Yesh mikomos, says the Machaber, in Simon Semaches, Shemafsikin bibirchas kriyash maloma piyutin. And this is what today Minigashkinaz, pure Minigashkinaz, the Yankees will say, boys will say piyutin in, you know, in the bracha of Yotzevor, and Abba Rabba even, and Zulash. What? And the Kuzarash. Now we, on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, we have made something of a compromise. We have accepted piyutim in Chazar Sashat, but most shows today, I imagine, are not saying piyutim in the bracha of Kriyashma. Um, now, in Minag it's Maisa Rav, on Rosh Hashanah Kippur, I think he, he was also lenient, but there were times that there are about parshios and some special Shabbat, so he would say it after Chazar Sashat was over, he would say the piyutim. He wanted to show respect to the piyutim, but he was concerned with the halachic aspects of it. 
So there's all kinds of issues to factor in. The Mechaber says not to say it because of Hefzik. The Ramah says from other Rishonim, the Rabbi Yonah and others, Ein Isra Bedavar, and again based on how you interpret the Mishnah in Brachos, and then he continues there as you see in source number 20. Um, I want to take the, the time that's left. Is, is there a difference between Shachs and Mosul? A lot of shuls on Parshat Zafar yes. won't say it in, in the Chazos Shachs of Shachos, yeah. won't say it well, in the Shemona of I can tell you the following. Some of these Shabbosos, they only had written um, Piyut from Musaf. Um, I'm not sure if, they, if they, both of them, all four have everything, but all of them had, had Musaf. Some of them may have had for both. I'm not sure why there should be a difference necessarily. Uh, to think about it. Maybe something about uh, Musaf that, you know, more or less of a problem. It's like a steroid even in, yeah. Uh, yeah. in the wrong practice. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, but right, but look, I grew up saying Yotzros in the first Yishalayim. That's what they did. Um, not, not in the Baruch of Kriyashma, in the Chazar Sashat, in the Arab Parshas, for example, even on Yom Tovim, they said, they used to say it. Um, now, we typically, Rosh Yom Kippur, so we, we say, we say Piyutim, but we don't say everything. We kind we skip, right? And the Arts go tell them at this point it's sort of codified where to skip. You know, you know it became its own, its own, you know, okay, you know, many congregations don't say this became now, right? It's, it's own Shulchan Aruch. Um, but in any case, um, let's, let's, let's notice a couple of things about the Piyutim of Yavim no Um In terms of the, the themes themselves, uh, also the authors. Let's talk about the Rosh Hashanah is coming up. Slichus is coming up too. That's also connected to Piyut. But let's talk about the authors of Piyut. First day Rosh Hashanah, second day Rosh Hashanah. As noted, Rosh Kalir only composed for day for first day Rosh Hashanah. Shachlis and Musaf. So he's all over the place. Shachlis Musaf, Yotzros, Chazar Sashat, Shachlis Musaf, Kios. A lot of them we don't say. Some of them we do say. Second day Rosh Hashanah is not Hakalir. Who's the second day Rosh Hashanah Piyutim? So if you look at the acrostic, you can't miss it. The name that appears time and time again, Shmo Mefarim Adas you'll see it. Shinmem Ayin Vavnun, Shimon. Who is this Shimon? Shimon was before Rashi, Kentebi of Rabbeinu Gershom. Shimon Hagadol, Rav Shimon Hagadol. Shimon Hagadol was one of the greatest Paitanim. This is a period a little before Rashi. And there's a legend told about him. He had two sons. One's name was Yitzchak, the other's name was Elchanan. In the second day, Yotzer, he has a remez to his son Elchanan, in one of the words there, El Kelchanan. Um, the legend goes, maybe you've heard the story of the quote-unquote Jewish Pope. Anyone's heard the story? Mm-hmm. So apparently there was a child who was kidnapped <coughs> and taken to the, uh, to, the, to, to the church, rose up in the ranks, became the Pope. Italy? I don't remember where it was. But anyway... We don't know exactly how, you know, whether it's actually occurred in some form or another. I can't vouch for it, but it's clear the legend that's very much embedded in, in that there was a person, a son of Hanan to Shimon Agadol is clear. Whether he is the one that actually the story happened, he was kidnapped and became the Pope, and then Shimon Agadol, this we know historically, would intervene going to Italy. I know he, he was Magensa, he was, he was in Magensa, Shimon Magensa. But he would travel to Italy on many occasions to avert xeros that were made by, you know, against the Jews. So one of those occasions, he ended up having an audience with the Pope, and they started playing chess. <coughs> and he had taught his son certain moves in chess that only the son knew and only he knew, and it was impossible <coughs> for anyone else to know it. This is the story. And they're playing chess with each other, and then they discovered each other's identity, and maybe he ran off, and... You know, became the Chubach face. Again, I don't know versions of the story, you have to look them up. 
I can't tell you exactly how authentic every detail is, but there's clearly a, such a story that's made its rounds for centuries. Shinagada, but for our purposes, he was an amazing, amazing um, stylist. He took his cue from Abuza HaKalir in many ways. And I want to show you something fascinating with the few minutes that we have left. One of the famous piyutim of Rosh Hashanah is Melech Elyon. Now, Melech Elyon is said on two days of Rosh Hashanah. The first day of Rosh Hashanah, it's said in Musaf. Who wrote that one? Abuza HaKalir. Second day of Rosh Hashanah, it's said in Shachris. Who wrote that one? Rosh Hashanah The styles are... Similar, but somewhat different. Take a look in your, in your packet or in the sheet. We can go toward the end of the packet. We'll get the acrostic. Yeah, they'll put their names at the end. So you'll see this right now. Not, not always did they do it, but the Khalir sometimes did, does it. If you look at That's from our comments. From our lady. Yes, it was a common thing. It was a common thing. Yeah, what, 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 is it, what does it represent exactly is, is a good question. It was certainly a common aspect of all kinds of uh, cultures to do it, but I, I would hope, I'd like to think that we, you know, we got it first, you know, so to speak. But my is also coming to, you know, to many composers. Take a look on, on the packet where you see here, this is from the Siddur, from the Masa of the Forash. Now take a look, I want you to notice a couple of interesting things. This is the first day Musaf. Look at this page here. Can we go, let's see if we can go ahead here to the uh, screen. First day Musaf, okay? Okay, take a look at your screen or at your sheets. This is what you'll be saying in Shul in Mitzvah Hashem, not to not too distant future. Now, the first thing is, Melech Elyon is supposed to be the beginning of the line. You can see that, right? What do we do? It's supposed to end Radeyad Yimloch. What do we do? We run into the next line. That's anyway unusual, but we do, we do it by other things as well. But it's even more striking over here for the reasons that we'll soon see. Notice the acrostic. It's Alabes. Or is it not out of place? What's going on here? The first stanza, Keldar Bamorom, Adi Bamorom, Omet Yodel Torom. What's the letter that keeps recurring? The Aleph. Now, what you expect for the next stanza to be? Bays. What's the next stanza? Gimel. Gimel. Hakim, Gosel, Mekim, Golem. What happened to the Bays? Go to the next stanza. Melch Elyon. What does he have here? Hey. So, what's going on? It's alternating letters. The next one's Ochet Surim. So it's three stitches in each stanza, that's his composition, but it's alternating letters. Zayin, Tes, Kaf, Mem, Samoch, Pei, Kuf, Shin. Now, where's the base, with the Dalet, with the Vav? Now, what happens now? You have, after the Shin, you have tucked away here, are two stanzas, instead of being Melch Elyon, what are they? Melch Evyon. Now, those two stanzas are based on what letters? Bays and tough. What's happening? Who can be a detective here and figure this out? What has happened here? What has happened? So suddenly two stanzas, bays and tough, and then it finishes with avo, look at the bottom of the page, avo melch elyon ad, which is a tough. So well, what's going on here? So these two stanzas, Balabar Shachas, Notice the meter clearly. It fits with the same meter as everything here. Three stitches. That's a base. The tough tnuma to ufeda. Now notice the contrast. What does the shin say? Sheina in He doesn't sleep, right? What does the tough say? Tnuma to ufeda. Tadema tofen. He's full. He's sleeping all the time. Who's sleeping all the time? The melech Evyo. Who never sleeps? Hakadosh Baruch 
Notice, these two stanzas were part of the original. There was a base. We have it here at the end. There was a tuff. And you know what? There was a dalit, and there was a vav, and there was a ches. These were meant to be alternating. Melch Elyon followed by a Melch Evion. You want to see the original, you can do it. We have, we have from the Cairo Geniza, we have evidence of the original. But before I show you that, I want you to go to the second day, Rosh Hashanah Shachris. Now, whose Melch Elyon is this? Rav Shimon Now, it's a different number of words per stanza. Before, before we saw it, it was shorter, right? There were three parts to each, each stanza. Here it's a little longer. Whoever is about to feel has to find a niggin. You have to know that here it's a little longer, so you have to stretch out the niggin a little bit more. This is Aleph. Notice what's missing? The bays. Again, you go to Gimel and the hay and skips on and on. But what happens at the end? We take bays and tough. But the bays and the tough are coming from whose composition? The Melch Elyon. It's not fitting with the, the rhythm of this one. No, the Bolivarat Shachas, Beshova Shachas, Bleis Bulinachas. How many parts to that? Three. But the stanzas here are much longer. They took the bays and the tough of the Bleza Kaliyaz Melch Elyon and they tucked it away before the Avo. They added the Avo and I noticed the Shimon over here. You can see the Shimon, right? At the end. Shofir Emes is a Shin. My brother Emes, you see Shimon, the name Shimon. You want to see the original for both. Shimon Agado had his own Melch Evion that conformed with his, his uh, style of his composition, which we ignored, and we just took the two, Bays and the Tuff, and we tucked it away at the end of his composition as well. Turn the page and you see one after the other. Okay, this is from the, this is found in a number of Machzorim. I took it from one of the Machzorim Mephorosh. At the end of the Machzorim, they printed it out. Okay, notice, this is the, from the first day's Musaf. End of the stanza. Then that's the base. Then you have the Gimbu Gibalohakim, followed by Dova Kadever, Dover Vaover, Domeli Iver, Admasa Yimloch. And that was the Dalit. And now you have the hey that we say and the Vav that we don't say, and the Zion that we say, and Naras Tachas. Obviously, you were not meant to say Gade Adimoch Melech Elyon because it wasn't going into Melch Evion. It was, it was going into Melch Evion. Next stanza is Melch Evion. Once the Melch Evion dropped out, and the conjecture is, why did it drop out? Use, again, use your intuition. Why do you think they took out all these Melch Evions? Historically, what was the danger? And the Rav Heidenheim, famous for so much about Siddur, and I have a quote here. It was the government. It was the government. It was polemical. So, kind of, or the Jews self-censored, or somehow or other, you know, we caught, the, the Yidin felt that this is not comfortable to keep highlighting Melch Evion. So there was a, it was meant to, you know, to show the contrast. So we preserved that by taking Bays and Tuff and putting it at the end. But notice, even though the second day's composition was a different composition, they just, to be Yitzhak's design, you could say, they took the Bays and the Tuff from Revolta Kalir's first day's Melch Evion from Musaf, and they put that instead of the ones from the second days. Anything is possible. <coughs> but meanwhile, that is one thing I wanted to point out. The last thing I want to end... Uh, you have to bench, no? You have to bench? It's late. I'll just tell you what we have in a minute. The Vachom Aminim is also strange, but the, the, the suggestion is as follows. Again, you notice how it should read. We say, Vachom Aminim Shehu Kelamuna Habochin Avodeh Ginzin Nistaros. It doesn't make sense. 
Habochin Bo begins in the Storos should flow with Shubochin Krayos, because the ideas are complementing each other. And so it is basically the way we recite it, again, partly because of the Davashibhdusha possibility, we are basically messing up the Kavana in a way of what what's supposed to go with what. The, right? We're supposed to say go mimabes, right, for the Mishachas goes with Gol Chazak and not with Hadan Yachid Yibayolam. Hadan Yachid Yibayolam goes with Chomim Shudayat Emes. Rabbi Kevalevit sent me a, a, a copy of a Mavzer with a parish on the bottom where he suggests the following, that what was meant to happen was there would be an acknowledgement, Ha'ochis Biyad Midas Mishpat, stated by the Chazin, and then everyone would acknowledge it from a Pasuk that, 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 that affirms that point. Then the Chazan would say, Bochun Bodegins in the Staros, and the community, the Kaha would say, in fact, Shehu Bochin Koyos. And so that's how it would be. Alternatively, and I'll leave you with this at the very end of the packet, because it's sort of strange that you should start a sentence with a hey, the one that does it, and then end the sentence with the Chomaminim. You would imagine if you had to construct a sentence, you would start the sentence with, like we, the Chomaminim Shehu, the one who does. Except that, don't line it up the way we do when we, when we recite it, but Look at the last page, a hashara of somebody who sent this to me, and I think it's certainly intuitively very palatable. Notice how it might have meant to be sung, is v'choma minim being the beginning of the sentence, shu kelamuna, that's the beginning of the sentence, and then everything lays out beautifully, v'choma minim being the beginning of the sentence, shu bochin kroyos, he who does that, habochin uvodik. If you don't want to go that far, you would at least flip it around and make Vachoma Minim be the second part of the sentence, but still connect it not to what we do, which is connecting it to the next sentence, but to recognize it's really meant to go on before. But again, this is what has happened in this um, packet that he sent me. Uh, he says, This is a Ha'aro Chazanim Shemeshabshim Kavanas Hapaitan, the Meshem Arvanes Haseder Lolofi Alabes Kafu. Okay, we should recognize, you know, again, Yosi Masha Karasikofnechem Kasuv Khan, as we would say, is a lot more that we could talk about. The main thing is to have an appreciation of what we say and to connect, of course, with the larger themes of Rosh Hashanah and the, the, the many, many ideas, of course. And, and the more that we feel inspired by what we're saying, the more Kashbrochu should hear us and give us all a Gebenshtiar and see Maximatayah. It's in the master, but they don't Who wrote it? According to this master, it's Yanai that wrote it. He says it was Yanai. This is the master by Goldschmidt. He says it was composed by Yanai. I never saw it anywhere else, but that's what he thinks. It's old, but the Salvation said that he didn't say it was you, that it was Thank you.